Hi, this is Todd Fields. Welcome to episode 49 of the Worship Circle podcast. This is a special, special episode for us. This is the first time we're going to air an actual Worship Circle session that we had about a month ago. But what happened on this session and the things we were directed in and helped in by a dear friend of ours are going to help you in your life and help family members. We know that you can share this and we'd ask for you to do that. This was a pivotal session for so many of us um, in these uncertain times we're in. So one of the ways we want you to know that you're not alone, our purpose is that you'd know you're loved and not alone, is we have a summit online coming up August 29th. And one of the things I love about Worship Circle is we are a ministry of small groups. Our mentors each have small group during our program for six months. But for the summit, it's a one-day afternoon event. It lasts three hours. You're in small group for about an hour and 40 minutes with the mentor of your choice. And in the small group, you're going to be seen and heard, prayed for, cared for, loved on. It's just a beautiful time. It's not some massive group all-skate thing. We do have a teaching time on the back end that is everyone, uh, guys and girls combined for a large group teaching time that we promise will be great, but it's really about the small groups and about it's about you being cared for. So we'd love for you to sign up. You can do that at worshipcircle.com forward slash summit. The spots will go fast. It always fills up and we have a waiting list usually. Uh, by the time it rolls around. So sign up now, summit at worshipcircle.com forward slash summit. The mentors you can choose from are Tasha Cobbs Leonard, Meredith Andrews, Rita Springer, Kim Walker Smith, for you ladies, those four mentors. And if you're a guy, you choose Paul Balash, Charlie Hall, Travis Green, our new mentor and coach, Matt Marr, or myself. You can choose one of our small groups if you're a guy. We hope you join us and really come to find out what Worship Circle is all about. But more importantly, just with all this going on, I know so many of you are tired and so many of you are worried and wondering what what your life's going to look like. And it doesn't matter if you sing, if you play drums, if you play bass, guitar, any area of service, even tech team members. Um, not that you're some... <laughs> third leg to what goes on, but you're a vital piece of worship, and you're a worship leader as well. So we want to invite you to sign up. So we hope to see you at the summit. Sign up for that now. Our guest today, I can't wait for you to hear this session again, as I'm going to say that over and over again. And we do hope that you'll share it with people, with friends and family, because it's been so beneficial to our board members and just other people that we've shared it with. And we finally decided to make it live. But John Eldridge, I first heard of John, I got the book Wild at Heart like 24 years ago when Carrie and I first got married, and it was a special book for me. It was the first time I'd heard anyone talk about caring for your heart and how important that was, and it impacted me greatly, impacted me in just a huge way in my marriage, and then John came out with another book called Waking the Dead. He's written many since then, and he and Stacy minister together. He's been a therapist. He knows what it's like. Um to be in ministry, and he knows what it's like to care for those who pour out week after week in ministry, and we are just so excited about what he's about to share with you. If you'd like to find out more about John and the crew there, it's wildatheart.org. That's wildatheart.org. You can go there to find out. They have their own podcast, books, resources, and gatherings in person when pandemic things aren't going on, but we love them. We're for them. We invite you to check that out. But for now, um, 
listen intently and just um, I'm going to pray for us because I just want us all to be open to what God wants to say through John. Lord, thank you so much for John Eldridge, for Stacy, for their life, for their ministry, for the calling you've placed on them to influence uh, people who are in ministry and people who are lay people just on the importance of being still, the importance of seeing beauty in the midst of the trauma of this world. And we ask now, Holy Spirit, that you speak to us as we listen, that you would help us to reflect and just be, reflect on our own life, be present with ourselves and be present with you in this time that we have with John. Thank you so much. Would you bless it? Would you multiply it in the lives of many who come after us as a result of our intent listening? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys, I want to welcome you. We'll have some more jumping in, John, as we go along. But um, some of our coaches will be in here today. Charlie Hall. Welcome, Charlie. Meredith will be jumping in from Nashville. Charlie's in Oklahoma. Um, Tasha Cobbs is in South Carolina. Travis Green's in South Carolina. And um, Rita is coming in from Nashville, Rita Springer. So all of these, John, are just that are worship circle members and this is the third month of our term and we end in September, but uh, we meet online every month and just keep growing closer, you know, being real with each other, praying with each other, learning together. And um, I specifically wanted to have you on just because of, you know, years of reading your books, your, um, your heart for the heart and heart for the church in that. And we're oftentimes in a, in a realm of being professional Christians where we're called on to pour out week after week after week. And sometimes it feels like it's not going to end, but um, guys, welcome John Eldridge. He's in Colorado Springs joining us today. And um, many of you, yeah, we'll do the silent hand claps. <laughs> That's the way we can do it without causing feedback and dogs to bark in the background. <laughs> But John, welcome. I'm just going to tee it up and toss it to you. And uh, guys, John may from time to time ask some questions and throw them out there. And if you have a question when he does that, just raise your hand and I'll scan the horizon and call on you and you can uh, jump in that way. But we'll get going now. I'm going to pray for us, kick it off, and then we'll get going. Okay. Awesome. Jesus, thank you that you are with us now. Holy Spirit, um, you're present even through technology all around the world. But these leaders, they're precious to you. And I just ask God, I thank you for John and Stacy and the work you've continually do in their story and their life and the way that you've used it in my life and so many of our lives, um, just to encourage us to pursue your heart, to follow your heart and to tend and care for ours. And Lord, we just ask that you speak through John now, um, give him sensitivity where you're leading and at the same time, allow our hearts to be open to what you might say in the whisper. Um, or just the plain audible voice today uh, from you. So we're grateful and pray that you just use this time for your glory on the back end. In your name we pray. Amen. Welcome, Amen. John. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Uh, it, it is just awesome to see your faces. So hi, everybody. Um, hi, everyone, and thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank um, you. Worship. Uh, has been an absolute lifeline and rescue uh, to Stacy and me. 
over the years, but especially as, you know, our ministry influence has grown and the pressures have grown and the warfare has grown and all of that. Um, golly, uh, the, the, thank you. <clears throat> Just the body of Christ, the friends of Jesus need you more than ever. And, and they may not know it. Most of them don't know it. Uh, they don't know how much they need you, but I'm here to tell you they sure do, uh, and thank you. And I'll say a little bit about why <clears throat> in some context uh, of of our hour here. Um, <clears throat> but I think I think what I want to begin is just um, some simple stuff around uh, caring for your own heart and soul, particularly at a time like this. The world has gone completely mad. Um, and that madness has crept into the church in a lot of ways. Um, <clears throat> the world gets in the church, and and it, it 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 creates a perfect storm that that is designed to suck the life out of us, and and designed to oh golly, just drain your hearts uh, in in ways that are just so brutal, um, particularly because you're asked to live from the heart a lot, like bring your heart, as Todd was just saying in the introduction every week. And um, so I want to say some things around that. I, I've been a Christian therapist for more than 30 years and writer, shepherd, guy. <clears throat> we lead a pretty big audience of people around the world. And we're down deep in the weeds in, in a lot of people's trauma and, and loss and heartache and <clears throat> joy and love and breakthrough and beauty and redemption. So hopefully I've got a few things um, that at the end of our conversation, you'll go, wow, that was, that was super helpful. Um, I, I think one of the things I want to say to you is so, it's so simple, but the, um, there's you will rarely hear this in the church. You'll certainly very rarely hear it in the professional church. You'll, the world will not tell you this. And what I need to tell you is your heart is the greatest treasure you have ever been given by God. You, your heart is everything. And that's why Proverbs 4.23 has kind of been one of our, our go-to over the years. It's just been so... Um, we keep looping back to it because, you know, we learn it, forget it, pay for it, come back to it, learn it, forget it, pay for it, you know. <clears throat> and the Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart because it is the wellspring of life within you. Your heart, your heart is the source of your joy and your dreams. Uh, it's the source of friendship and love and romance your heart is your heart's everything your heart is the truest you uh, your heart is where you experience intimacy with god and um, all of us have a story uh, of of how our heart has been handled in the course of our life in our childhood and and in our teenage years and and then into our young adult and adult life um, the story of your life, the true story of your life is the story of your heart and of the journey of your heart in this world and the hatred of the enemy against your heart and, 
and and we're living in a particular time that has a madness to it that makes practicing Proverbs 4.23 really hard, like guarding your heart. Uh, New American Standards version is with all diligence. Uh, RSV is um, vigilantly guard your heart. Like, like really, like this is because it is the wellspring of life within you. Um, As a young therapist, golly, 30 years ago, I began to experience something really interesting listening to the men and women who are coming into my office. I was a Christian therapist, so most of them were believers, many of them in ministry and, you know, missions. And um, it it was a remarkable phenomenon that went like this. As people began to get better, as men and women began to heal, Um, from childhood trauma or betrayal by the church or just chronic disappointment, loneliness, you know, the different things we, we have to navigate in the war of the heart. As they began to get better and as they began to recover wholeheartedness, they began to become creative. And I, I would have clients come in and say, Hey, I, I took up, I took up watercolor and they would be like the last person, you know, they'd be like an accountant or a CPA or, you know, and you go, really? That's, that's fast. That wonderful. And then the next client would come in and go, Oh, you know, guess what? I, I'm working with horses. And I'd be like, you really? And, and, and so here was the beautiful thing I discovered that as we heal, as, as we become more wholehearted uh, among all the joys of that, um, you get your creativity back, and, and and your creativity begins to flourish and flow, and it's a joy. And <clears throat> and so, as creatives, here, here we are, um, me in the writing world, and and you in the <clears throat> composition and performance world, and and <clears throat> leading people in worship to recover heart, to to protect our heart is. Oh man, it's just worth it's worth the time and the effort and and the madness won't tell you that. <clears throat> the church will rarely tell you that, but I'm here to tell you that. Like your heart matters. It's it's the great treasure of the kingdom. And um and and because I am in professional Christian work too and have been, you know, for all these years. I've learned a lot of things through my own crash and and through my own dry times and through the war on the heart. And I wanted to just share some things that I think would be helpful to you because prior to the pandemic and and then the blow up of the racial tension, um, prior to all this moment, the world had already gone mad. And what we consider to be a normal human life, like I, I, I'm just here as a voice in the wilderness to tell you it's absolutely nuts what, what people expect of themselves. <clears throat> it was the combined pace of life, you know, everybody running a jillion miles an hour and trying to get a jillion things done. It was the complexity, the growing complexity of the world that we've got to navigate at church and with people and their trauma and careers and kids. And, and, and then it was the, um, 
the advent of the technology age, you know, 2007, this little baby came out and, and the iPhone and the way that's changed everybody's life forever, <clears throat> four to 10 hours a day, we're all spending on this thing, three hours a day using apps. And, and so you had, you had this perfect storm coming together um, because the, you know, the big lie of technology was that it was going to give us all more margin uh, time with God, time with each other, time to cook, time to garden, you know, and, and it did just the opposite. Now we're all trying, to, we're expected to live at the pace of technology. We're asking our souls to live at the pace of machinery and, and technology. And then you add one more piece to that, <clears throat> and it was the inundation of media. <clears throat> the human soul was never meant to know the news of the world. You, you actually were never meant to know that. Um, the human beings were designed to live in very small and very intimate communities. And um, <clears throat> I don't know if it will help someone to mute themselves, but we're picking up your family life. So uh, if somebody's, <clears throat> somebody's not muted, we... That's uh, darling. We love your family life, but um, thank you. Uh, this is a very fascinating thing. There's a British anthropologist who did a number of studies on global villages through human history and also on the size of the human brain and the cerebral cortex. And, and what he came to the conclusion of is a famous thing now called Dunbar's number. He said human beings are able to handle the news, crisis, trauma, stories, joys, heartaches of about 150 people. And, and what's happened in our era is, you know, if you're a mature, if you're a mature friend of Jesus, if, if you're, you know, considered a compassionate, relevant, dialed in person, you're supposed to know about everything that's going on in the world, you know, from Syria to Turkey to human trafficking to, you know, the latest death count in New York and Rome and like, like, whoa, that is, that's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. And, and all of that has had this withering effect on the human soul, on the human heart. Um, so that's the perfect storm. And that was prior to this moment that we're all living in and, and doing church online and social distancing and, you know, all, and, and then the heartbreak uh, that's been going on in, in cities in the U.S. And, um, so this is a very, very brutal time on the heart. This, this is a brutal time to be a human being because there's no room left to be human. Like, you don't get to be human anymore. You, there's no space for it. Like, <clears throat> so I began to look for a, a set of practices that I could practice in my real life, which is full tilt, my, my life is full tilt. I, I have an organization of about 19 people. We have a global influence. We do live events and weekly podcasts and we make films and all that. So we're full tilt. I had to find, I had to find some way to care for my heart and to care for my soul without just quitting. <clears throat> and, and yeah, I just want to be a monk. I, I just want to, I just want to retire to some small Scottish village and, and never come back. Um, can't do that. Don't, don't feel called to do that. So began to do some things to care for my soul 
and and to help me stay in a place of love and help me stay in a life with God um, in, in the midst of the pressure. And, and I need to name this other additional pressure that we all share. And it's nuts. It's just nuts. It, it's the pressure to perform out of your life with God. So like, go get some good stuff. Go, you know, go, go get some intimacy, go get a great experience, get a revelation, get a song and, and then bring it back and, and produce, you know, for me, it's write a book and then write another and write another and do a podcast, do a blog, do a, you know, and, and this thing of <clears throat> having to produce out of our life with God can be really, really brutal. So there I was, and there we all are. Um, and I began to look for some things that would heal my soul. And, and I want to talk about a few of those things, um, offer them to you. Uh, super accessible, very doable. Um, and then I want to talk a little bit about the moment that we're living in right now, um, because it requires some, some other things to care for your heart. So uh, the first thing is uh, back to my career as a therapist. I don't have a private practice anymore because we just, what I do now, it just got so big and, and kind of blew up on us and the curse of success and that sort of thing. So we do it, we do it in groups of people now. We do it with 50 and, and 100 and 400 and 2,000. And <clears throat> we still try and make our experiences very healing experiences, very heart restoring experiences, but I don't have a, I don't have a private practice anymore. Um, but as I did, back in the days that I did, one of the other things that I discovered, that wholeheartedness, creativity link, um, was the link between beauty and the healing of trauma. That I, I would have clients coming in with the most horrific stories. I mean, you know, the worst stuff. And over time as they began to get better i was trying to learn from them as much as they were as they were trying to learn from me and and as we would discover together things that were healing one of the things that kept resurfacing is the power of beauty to heal the human soul and i think god knew that i know he knew that um because he said you know we're air breathing creatures we need oxygen every moment where everybody everybody right now is breathing and you need to breathe again. And by the time I get done with this sentence, you need to breathe again. So God saturated the planet with oxygen. And then he did the coolest thing ever. He made it a replenishing source. So, you know, the, the taiga forest and the rainforest and the algae of the seas and all that, like regenerates the global supply of oxygen every day, which is unbelievably cool. Um, and he knew that. He knew he'd need that. And he knew, you know, we're water creatures. You can't go more than three days without it. Um, and so we, we, we need water. And we need to hydrate. And so he saturated the planet with water and the rain cycle. And <clears throat> from outer space, we're the blue planet because we're so saturated in water. But here's the fascinating question no one asked. Why did God saturate the world with beauty? He, he has absolutely saturated our world with beauty, like the sunlight coming through your kitchen window in the morning and, you know, the power of music and art and the rain on a tin roof. And like, it's just everywhere. It is, it is in the bark of trees and it's in human faces and, and it's in human hands. It's just everywhere. The laughter of your children, like the world 
is saturated with beauty. And I think God did that because he knew life would be traumatizing. And, and, and to just be fair to you, I, I need to tell you, your life is traumatizing. To, to live in this hour right now <clears throat> in the world is traumatizing. And one of the things they're going to discover, and you know, they're beginning to admit it now, but with, when we come out, <clears throat> whenever it is we come out of the quarantine and the pandemic and all that, they're going to realize that taking away everyone's normal life, making them stay at home, making them spend hours a day in technology was traumatizing the bombardment of the constant death count in the news was traumatizing. <clears throat> and so I, I'm just telling you, dear, dear, dear ones, your life is traumatizing. And God knew that. And so he saturated the world in beauty. And, and what I began to do as a therapist and, and then just for my own life is, is to saturate my life with beauty. Beauty heals the soul. Beauty heals the soul. And, and again, the pace of life and the you know, amount of time on media and technology and all that sort of thing, we, we're not taking advantage of it. It's like we're walking down the sidewalk and there's $100 bills lying all over the place and we don't stop to pick them up. Um, you know, you'll see the beauty and you go, oh, wow, that's really cool. And then, you know, you just, we just blow past it. But what I'm learning my soul needs is to pause and receive the beauty that's coming to me every day. <clears throat> and let the beauty in my soul. And, and more than that, to, now I seek it out. Like I, I am an active, ravenous uh, hunter for beauty in the world and filling my home with beauty and filling my life with beauty every opportunity I can because the, the world is such a hard place on the heart right now. So the practice of beauty and, and for me, one of the switches was to pause and to literally say, I receive this beauty into my soul. It, it's not just to observe it. it. It is to drink it, to take it in, to, 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 to let it into your, your soul, and, and especially into the hurting and, and famished places in your soul. So if I'm <clears throat> walking out the door in the morning and it's a frosty morning here in Colorado and, and I get in my car and there's the frost on my windshield, I stop and I look at it and I see how exquisite it is. And I say, Father, thank you. I received this gift of beauty into my soul. You know, it, it's just a moment. It's a pause. It's an intentionality to let beauty do its healing work. And this is a fascinating thing. People in hospitals recover faster, are released sooner, and need less pain medication if they simply have a window that looks out on nature. Isn't that awesome? Like, that is so beautiful because you're there in a hospital and, you know, it's the chaos and the beeping and the IVs and all that. But if you can simply have a window on beauty, you actually get better faster. You heal. That's the healing power of beauty, particularly in the traumatized places in our souls. So beauty is one. Get beauty in your life, friends. And, and, and again, part of our problem as creatives is we're always looking at, you know, you, 
like beauty turns into something productive. I'm not, I'm not talking about producing. Um, not, not in order to write a song, not in order to finish my book, not, but just because my soul needs it and needs it every day. Um, so that's a simple practice and it's available to everybody and it's free. There's just tons of it around. It's absolutely tons of it. Your faces right now are, are incredibly beautiful. Uh, so there's just loads of it around. Um, but begin to drink it in, make it intentional, make it like a practice. It's one of your, one of your monastic practices. Okay, so second one, very simple. Um, what I realized is that the, the pace of modern life, the amount of media, the technology, you know, all that, the perfect storm, the madness, um, was allowing me no room for transitions, and, and what I was doing is I was requiring my soul to just move through multiple gear changes in a single day without any, any room for transition. So I would go from a really sweet moment with my three-year-old granddaughter straight into a really critical um, business meeting and then into, you know, I still do, I still do some counseling. So then into a counseling phone call and but then after that, it's lunch with a friend, and it's joy, and it's tacos on the deck. But then, then from there, I've got a race over. You see what I'm saying? Like, it, what I, this is normal life for everybody. There is literally no transitional spaces. And one of the things we have missed in the Gospels is, is in the story of, of Jesus' life, we project a modern pace into it. And so, you know, when we read... Jesus left Jerusalem and, you know, went back up to Capernaum. We go, oh, yeah, boom. And then it's the next healing, the next miracle. And we, it, Jesus's life in the Gospels feels like it's just boom, 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 boom. One amazing word, one incredible teaching, then an intimate moment, then raising Peter's mother-in-law, you know. And it's not because actually it's a three-day trip from Jerusalem back up to Capernaum three days on foot. And, and these are all the moments in the gospel that there's just transitional space. Like he, he's not living from one urgent need to another. And, and in fact, in the gospel of Mark in chapter one, um, you know, the momentum gets going and the, you know, the revival has started and things are really happening. And it's, you know, everything everybody wants. It's what we all want to see. Uh, in our churches and our work and, and in, our, you know, in bringing Jesus to the world, things are happening. And here's what it says. It says the next morning, the entire village showed up at the door. Okay, so the revival is working. And they go to find Jesus and they can't find him. He's gone. He's already taken off. He's, he's over in the woods by himself drinking in beauty and they go to find him, and Peter says, Jesus, everyone's looking for you. And Jesus' response is, we better leave. Like, he, he, is, he is so brilliant at not being ruled by human need, and, and he doesn't pace his life according to human need. Okay, anyway, the grace that I'm talking about is the grace of transition. And, and for me, it began just at the end of my day when I'd pull in the driveway, turn off the engine in my car. You know, normally it's get out, blast into the house because now you've got home life and you've got to do this, that, and the other thing. And you know, 
I would just pause, just pause. I'd just sit in my car for a few minutes and I wouldn't listen to a podcast. I wouldn't do anything. I'd just sit there and do nothing. I'm allowing myself transitional moments between work life and home and, and between home life and mission and between mission life and joy and, and like even going into a lunch with friends. Like, I don't really enjoy that. I really do. And I want to be present to their company. But I can't, I can't just blast in. I, I need transitional space. I'm not talking 30 minutes. I, I'm not talking a two-week vacation. I'm just saying allowing a rhythm into your life that, that, that gives your soul time between one type of emotion and another. Like, this is super intense and demanding. We've got a rehearsal. We've got to get this done back to home. And, and at home, I want to be loving and present and chill and playful and, right? You understand what I'm saying? <clears throat> so just allowing the grace of transition back into your life. Like, let your soul inform you. Because the beautiful thing about Proverbs 4.23 is your heart will tell you. Your heart will let you know when it is not doing well. Like, it protests. It, 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 it puts up a fight. <clears throat> Paying attention to what your heart needs and trying to provide transitional spaces, which the world will never encourage you to do. You know, we are, we are all stuck on one speed right now, and it is go. Um, and it, it's just brutal. I'm uh, going to give you a third, a third practice. Um, keep this really simple, really available. Uh, and it begins with a story. So um, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I love Jesus and I love his people and I love his work in the world. And there's, there's nothing I like, I'm a, I'm a pretty big empathy guy, you know, cry at commercials, that kind of thing. Um, and <clears throat> I was coming to Jesus in prayer. This is a, this is a story that goes over the last couple of years. I come to Jesus in prayer about something, you know, my kids, my taxes, a big decision, a conference, something. And Jesus began saying this. He, he said, John, give everyone and everything to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yes, Lord, that is so good. Okay, so what I was talking about was this conference we're doing, Jesus. And, the, you know, and he would just stop me and he'd say, I want you to give everyone in your world and everything to me. I want you to practice this. Honestly, gang. He kept this up for six months, six months, because I wasn't doing it. Like I would give intellectual assent to it. I go, oh yeah, that's good. I mean, that's First Peter five seven, right? Cast all your cares upon the Lord, because He cares for you. Like yeah, my yoke is easy, my burden's light. That verse has always irritated me. By the way, uh, I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's, like, it's like there's nothing light about it. Um. So I knew, I knew that I didn't know how to practice something. And what I didn't know how to practice is benevolent detachment. Benevolent detachment. I put the two words together for, for a reason. Benevolent, because it's something done out of love. It's something done out of kindness. I'm not angry. I'm not cynical. I'm not checked out. You know, I'm not giving the world the finger. But I'm just in love and in kindness. I'm saying, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't carry you. 
I can't carry that. Um, and, and detachment, learning to peel yourself out of the Velcro and out of the chaos and the madness. And, and there are so many applications for this, but every day, every day, especially at bedtime, but I, I do it several times a day now, I pause and I say, Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. And, and for all of us who are in Jesus' work and, and, and in people and church and mission and global transformation and justice and healing of the brokenhearted, you know, you, you, you can't carry it. You just can't. You, you can't carry tomorrow. You can't. Like, one of the things about the pandemic that was really fascinating, I mean, still is, but one of the themes through this has been uncertainty. Nobody knows what the economy is going to do, really. Nobody knows what, the, what COVID-19 is going to do, really. They, they think it's going to surge back in the fall. No, nobody knows when the vaccines are coming, really, and, and how effective they'll be. Like, the whole thing around this has been uncertainty. And I think God has been in that, by the way. I think he's, I think he's saying, you know, stop looking to the world for your certainty. Let me be your certainty. So, you got to just let all that go. You can't live with that. You can't carry that. You, you can't get sucked into the speculation or the human need. Benevolent detachment. I give everyone and everything to you. And it, is, it has been one of the most life-saving practices. I'm, I'm giving you three of a number of things I do, but beauty and, and allowing for some transitional space in my life. Uh, allowing myself to be human again is really what that means. And, and then letting it go, benevolent detachment have just been absolute rescues, like full on rescues. Okay. <clears throat> so now I want to say, as I was praying for this time and asking Jesus what to share, um, he, he did want me to talk to you a little bit about uh, what, our, what our situation is right now as the friends of Jesus in this world. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of pull back the curtain on some things um, that you may be very aware of, um, maybe not so much, but um, more, than, more than two years ago, there were some very significant forces released on the earth. And one of them was hatred. There was a, a massive release from the kingdom of darkness of hatred in the world. And I think you can look at it now and go, holy smokes, no kidding. Um, you know, from Syria to Atlanta to L.A. to, you know, it's just <clears throat> the hatred has, has really been off the charts. And, um, you know, as Ephesians says, we wrestle not with flesh and blood. There are very real human issues in any marriage, in any church, in any community. Um, but, but what I'm talking about is the release of serious demonic hatred in the world. And we have found it absolutely essential for the life of our heart and the life of our marriage, the life of our mission and community to pray and invoke the love of God, the love of God as a shield around us in this hour. And then invoking love into everything we do. So, you know, into our conversation today, I invoke the love of God. And 
and into my marriage, I invoke the love of God and, and so on and so forth. Like, gang, I'm really serious. This, there's some massive darkness right now that's hammering the human race. <clears throat> and it'll come against your own heart in, in a whole bunch of ways that feel like accusation or diminishment or you suck or, um, or trying to bait you to get into hatred towards people or political groups or, I mean, you can't even, you can't even post anything on social media anymore without instantly being hated. Like seriously, you can put a, you can put a picture of your dog up there. Somebody, somebody hates you for it. So um, this is pretty serious and, and invoking the love of God. Uh, Deuteronomy 4 and Hebrews 12 says, our God is a consuming fire, a jealous God, that the love of God is fire. And so I pray the fire love of God around me and my family and my kids and around our work, like really, really important. One of the other forces that got released about two years ago on the earth uh, from the kingdom of darkness was a uh, spirit of death. And, I mean, obviously, then we had, you know, all the stuff going on in Syria <clears throat> and ISIS, but, but it was global. And, and it, it was just the, the uh, suicide rate in the U.S. just went off the charts in the last couple of years. In fact, Colorado Springs was suicide capital of the U.S. for a year here. And we're talking uh, middle school kids. So death, death began rampaging on the earth, but not primarily physical death. And this is where it's going to be really helpful for guarding your heart. Um, what it was trying to usher in was the end of things. And I found myself battling it in ways like giving up on relationships and just saying, you know, we've been friends with those folks for 30 years, but it's too much work. I, I think I'll just let that go. Um, without really thinking about it or praying about it, I would have projects I was doing, books I was writing. And I was just going to abandon them. I just say, you know, I'm not going to write anymore. I think I'm done writing. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to be a writer anymore. And this was how death was getting in into my heart. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says, we despaired of life. We felt the sentence of death in our hearts. And when the sentence of death gets in your heart, you start abandoning things. You, you give up dreams, you give up projects, you give up on, on a lot of things that give you life. You're like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ride my bike anymore. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I don't know. I'm just going to let that go. And it's like, that was so life-giving to you. Or, or you give up on, you know, plans for the future because, you know, the economy and the pandemic and who knows. So, you know, I'm just not going to look forward to anything. Like, I'm not looking forward to anything is a, is a good symptom of the sentence of death getting in our hearts. And, and if we're going to guard our hearts in this hour, you have got to guard your heart against that because it is, it is rampaging out there. And, and so we are invoking the life of God. We are invoking the river of life as a shield around us. I'm not talking about getting in a cage fight with these guys um, because these are very high-ranking things that have been released in the world. And you don't want to get into a, you know, a, a, a UFC uh, fight with them, but you, you can shield your heart. You can shield your home. You can shield your work with the, with the resurrection of Jesus Christ and with the power of the river of life. Um, Ezekiel and John both see the river of life flowing from the throne of God. 
and and it's the very life of God that's flowing constantly to his people. Like we need his life. And so we invoke the river of life as a shield around us against all death. And we guard our hearts against those agreements with the sentence of death. Well, I'm just going to quit. I'm going to give up on that. You know, these people don't like me. I don't belong here. I don't fit. No one understands. You know, it's all that. It's just everything that leads to a kind of death whether that's the death of your garden or a relationship or a creative work or a mission project, like guard your hearts against that in this hour. So I needed to name those two things because they're really, really, really rampaging now. Um, I think what I want to do, I I have one more thing I want to share with you and, and it's by way of a request. But before I get there, I think I'll pause for a moment and say, would you like to ask a couple questions about what I've shared? Would that be helpful to you? Absolutely, guys. Hey, I'm going to scan the horizon, you guys, for any hands that are up. And um, George, I saw yours first. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think of how to phrase this question. Um, but obviously, we've seen, I mean, in history, we've seen hatred we've seen spirit of death we've seen these things before they're not new but what are what have you seen and what are you seeing in the past two years that is kind of like um like you mentioned the suicide rate but what are what are you seeing maybe that's like wow this is like a new maybe primary agenda of yeah well okay so on the death thing the suicide rate going through the doing overdoses uh, narcotic overdoses were going through the ceiling. Um, also, uh, abuse, uh, violence and abuse going through the ceiling. Um, and then during the pandemic, the child abuse and the, and the domestic abuse went absolutely through the roof. They had to set up emergency trauma centers in places like Paris and Rome uh, to shelter women who were experiencing it. So you see, it's, it's the intensity of the moment. Um, and, and then on the hatred thing, you know, the cover story of Time magazine was how did we lose the internet to the culture of hate? There was something about the anonymity of the internet. You, know, you can just post anything, say anything, um, and you're not in that like an accountable community of people. So the internet just blew up with hatred, absolutely blew up. And, and American politics, for example, like you literally cannot have a political conversation with someone that's just like reasonable because it immediately, it's it's the hatred gets in there and it's just, you know, so, uh, and part of it's just spiritual discernment. Uh, when, when Paul names the gifts of the spirit, one of them is, is the discernment of spirits. We just have, we have a radar for this stuff and, and Jesus shows us kind of the things that are going on in the world. So we know how to pray and how to help our people. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yep. Gnarly time. Gnarly time. (laughs) I've got Matt T. Matt, or you raise your hand. Are you there? Uh, yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. All right. Um, uh, first of all, thank you, John, for all, all these things you shared. Um, I'm going to spend hours kind of like diving into each one individually. Um, one of the questions I had was uh, when you talk about uh, practicing benevolent detachment, what are some uh, practical things that you may have, you know, encountered in just practicing this with people that you may be, um, a lot of us like lead teams 
or uh, or responsible yeah. for certain things? How do we practically yeah. do that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, this is so helpful. When you find yourself having a conversation with someone who is not in the room, right? It, it, it's it's when you you know you you leave but you don't leave and you're still you're, and you're rehearsing what you want to say or you're drafting that email you want to send like you're obsessing okay you haven't let it go like like you 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 you're actually you know getting into like a soul tie thing with them like you, whoa 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 i only want to have conversations with real people who are in my presence <laughs> okay so that's one when you find yourself obsessing um, or, or rehashing, why did they say that? Why did they say that? Or why didn't I get invited to that? Or what, you know, or it, it's not just people, it's the news. You know, when you hear of the, of the heartache, you know, that with wildfires in Australia, 1.9 billion animals were killed. Billion. Like that, that wrecks me. I, I'm a nature guy. I, I'm an animal guy. And like, I, I, I just, I would think about that. And, and it would just, it would just crush my heart. I have to let that go. So when you find yourself um, lingering over news, information, reports that the effect, you should know them by their fruit. The effect of it is I am not well. I, I am, oh, I, you know, um, you got you to let it go. And it, it doesn't mean you don't care. It, it just means, you know, First Peter 5, 7, cast it on the Lord. You, you, you're not meant to carry the heartache of the world. Uh, and so that's a couple of tips there. So when I find myself obsessing, when I find myself under it, those are indications that I've got it. And I just say it out loud. I, I, I say, Jesus, I release that meeting to you. I release that email to you. I, I give my kids to you, uh, especially at bedtime. Like I just, I give it all to you, God. I give it all to you. Great question, so Matt. Thank Yes, that was so good. Um, I'm looking around for hands. Wait, we got one on the third screen. Lee, how are you? Yeah, you, you go next. Hey, wow. This has been amazing. Thank you so much. Um, I am super sensitive and I'm grateful to the Lord for it. But then again, sometimes I'm like, why? But spiritual warfare and, and I felt it when you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, it's not just me that's feeling such a, a darkness that's happening. And I'm really struggling with wanting to live a life that's God honoring and loving. But then my flesh is so just, you know, because I, I see so much and I want other people to see it as well. Yeah. Uh, so I'm trying to draw myself closer to those that are aware of the spiritual warfare so we can get on our hands and just cry out and weep. Um, but I want to also do something for the kingdom physically. Yeah. What do you recommend? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we could, we could have spent our entire time on your question. Um, <clears throat> so I, I, I just have to give you a couple nuggets. First off, you are all creative people. You, you, you are all in the business of love and beauty and worship and intimacy with God. So she's not the only one who has a high empathetic gifting. I would bet that about 99% of you do. And here's the thing. You have got to consecrate your empathy to Christ. 
it's it, 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 people don't think to do this, but it's like any other gift. You know, if you're a gifted teacher, you consecrate that to the Lord. If you're gifted at making money, you've got to consecrate that to the Lord. You know, if you're a gifted athlete, you get, you know, if, right? But this gifting, people don't consecrate their empathetic gifting. And then it le- and then you just, you know, it's the experience you were just describing. So in this world, in this moment, you do not want that beautiful empathetic gifting anywhere but deep in Christ. So on, on a pretty regular basis, you know, I, I, weekly, daily, I, I, w- I would say, Jesus, I consecrate my empathetic gifting to you. I, I, this, this big heart you've given me, this care, that, you know, I consecrate that to you, Lord. I consecrate that to you. Um, and then <clears throat> this, is a, this is a very important time um, to practice um, listening prayer for the friends of Jesus because you have got to get your orders from the Lord. <clears throat> Jesus, do you want me to do anything about that? It is a really important question because otherwise we just go do it, right? And we get involved or we sign up or we, you know, and Jesus said, no, I got that covered through other, other friends of mine. You, you, like even in prayer, I'll go to Jesus in prayer. You know, you'll get the text thread, right? You get the emergency text and it's a group of people and it's, you know, hey, pray. And I'll pause and say, Jesus, is this covered? And he'll say, yeah, it's covered. You don't need to pray about it. <clears throat> I'm like far out because I got a lot more to do today. And, and, and so asking Jesus for your orders. I cannot, I, I just can't, I can't emphasize how important this is right now. Do not let your good heart simply guide you I- into anything, right? <clears throat> like, because he, yeah, anyway, at, like I said, I could go an hour on this. Consecrate your empathy. Ask Jesus if he wants you to do anything about it. So good. Thanks, Lee. John, I have a quick one. You mentioned trauma earlier and that that that's you've been a therapist so you've heard all kind of stories i recently just working with michael discovered that there was trauma in my story that i had never acknowledged what are some signs for all of us in here today you mentioned the trauma of the news right now we don't i feel like we're scared to even say that word because it sounds so weighty <laughs> but what are some um signs that trauma is keeping you from truly living and you may not have even had anyone say maybe it would be a good idea to go do some work, you know? Yeah, it's a big, big, I mean, Todd, thank you. That's a huge question. So first off, the news. <clears throat> please, 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 please regulate your news intake to about five minutes a day. Okay? Because here's what they learned. After 9-11, when the terrorist uh, strikes hit the Twin Towers, they did some studies. And they discovered that people who watched the events happen on television experienced the same PTSD as people who were there on the streets in New York. And what we've discovered is even uh, consuming traumatizing news traumatizes the soul. So that's why I used the word freely today, Ty, because I said your lives are traumatic. They are. Just to live in this hour. It's brutal on the human soul. So please, please, please regulate your news intake because it's addictive. And, you you know, everybody's 
five minutes. Get in, get the basics, get out. Like you honestly don't need to know what the death count is in Brazil. You don't. Like you don't. You um, get the basics, get out um, because because of the effect it has on on the human soul. <clears throat> um, but your question was, how could we be aware if there is trauma in our lives that may be unattended? Um, a couple thoughts, just a couple things. Watch for what I call the flinch, the flinch, the winds, the um, when certain subjects come up, when you see certain scenes in movies, when friends say certain things, if you, it, the flinch, the internal, pardon my French, but oh shit, you know, like that, <clears throat> that. That is an indication that something is raw in your soul in that area. And, and, and to, to be aware of that and to invite Christ into it, um, the, the beautiful thing, I mean, like if people knew, if people knew the healing power of intimacy with Christ, <clears throat> the churches, we, they'd be getting their, we'd be ripping the roofs off churches. Because they don't understand the gospel heals trauma like nothing else in the world. Intimacy with Christ. The human soul is healed through union with God. And that's why I said the world needs what you're doing more than ever. Because the people of God, the friends of God in the world are traumatized right now. And they don't know it. But as you lead them into intimacy with Jesus, it is, it is healing trauma in them. And they... You don't even have to be aware of the process. Like he gets it done. He he's phenomenal at it. And and so I would say the flinch. Watch for the flinch. Um, and then and then there are some other indicators, but they're difficult now because the pandemic has done things to our brain. Um, <clears throat> your inability to pay attention to anything for a sustained period of time. If, if, you, if you are not able to give your attention to anything for a sustained period of time, it's usually an indication of the effect of trauma. Um, you're, and, then, and then just like when Paul says, we felt the descendants of death in our hearts, he preceded that by saying we despaired of life. When you start abandoning things that once gave you life, <clears throat> You know, I used to paint. I don't do it anymore. I, I used to love mountain biking. I don't do it anymore. I, whatever it is, I used to, you know, when you start abandoning things and your world starts doing this, right? <clears throat> and you wake up one day and realize, wow, my life is really small. And, and I used to have a number of things that I did. I used to love to cook. I used to let, you know, I don't do any of that. Like, whoa, time out. Your heart's not well. And then what you do is you invite Jesus into it. Don't go on a witch hunt. Uh, uh, in your own soul, just invite Jesus in and say, Jesus, what have I lost? Where are you taking me? What, what are you saying to me about this? And he will very kindly and very gently bring up one thing at a time. Like he, he is so gracious. He's so good at this. Um, so don't go on a witch hunt and don't, you know, in your own life and go, Oh my gosh, you know, my childhood. <clears throat> it's not helpful. Um, but just in inviting Christ in and saying, Lord, where did I lose heart? Hmm. Where did I lose heart? Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Man, 
Can I ask you, can I, can I ask the thing I want to ask? Yeah. Okay. So I have a request of you worshiping friends of Jesus. Um, In this hour on the earth, there is a lack of good worship on a particular topic. And the topic is this. It, It is not heaven. It is the restoration of all things. One of the one of the devils. Follow me here, because it's going to blow your mind. One of the devils' great Satan's great hijacks of the gospel was to rip the church off of the future and leave us with something called heaven, which for most people is incomprehensible and totally undesirable. Like you know, we're going to stand in the presence of God forever. Well, who wants to do that? I mean, that like. Like, let's go to Hawaii. Let, let's, let's rent dirt bikes and go through Mexico. Like, I can think of a ton of things that are, that are more interesting than that. Uh, because it's so vague and wispy and, you know. And the thing is, that's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. So in, in Matthew 19, Peter asked Jesus, things begin to get rough. You know, the, the, the excitement's over and, the, and the, the boys on tour is over. And now they're beginning to hit. Things are getting rough. And Peter says to Jesus, this has cost us everything. What is it we are supposed to be looking forward to? And here's what Jesus says, Matthew 19, 28. He says, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, and and then he names, he says, if you have lost houses, lands, loved ones, it will completely be restored to you. The renewal of all things was a Jewish understanding of the coming of the kingdom of God. That we don't, there isn't the great airlift to heaven, that God actually returns to the earth. In Revelation 21, when John sees the new Jerusalem, it is coming to the earth. And he sees the renewed heavens and the renewed earth. Okay? And, and it, it is the restoration of everything you love. It is the restoration of everything you care about, everything that's been dear to you. Uh, the, it's, the Greek word is palingenesia. It is, it is it's starting over, the big renewal. And then Peter says it in Acts chapter 3. He says this. He says, Jesus remains in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything. And the word that he uses there is apocatostasis. It's a word that means to put things back into their original condition. So uh, um, in, Ma- in Mark, when Jesus heals a man's hand, it's, it's crippled and he heals it. It's apocatostasis. It is restoration of the created goodness that is already before us. Here's what people do not understand. They, they conceive of the future as massive loss. You know, I'm going I'm to lose the life I love. I'm going to lose the world I love. And I can't even imagine the future and that sort of thing. And, and like, we need hope. And we need worship that helps people understand the restoration of all things. One last example of this. In Romans 8, Paul says that all creation groans for the day of its redemption. He's clearly talking about this earth because he says it was subjected to a curse. And he says that the created world, the animal kingdom, 
nature, your favorite beach, your favorite lake, your favorite river. It says it is going to have its day of redemption. Okay? That it's right there. It's been in the scriptures all along. You read Isaiah's promises. You go through like Isaiah 60 through 65. Unbelievable. Like the Jewish hope of the coming kingdom was the restoration of all things. It was not the great airlift to heaven and the eternal church service in the sky. Our future is not the eternal church service in the sky. Adam and Eve were given this gorgeous world to then write music and be architects and go on adventures. And, you know, it was the whole thing, right? To be human, to be human. And in Revelation 5, it says, and we, the restored people of God, are a kingdom of priests, and we will reign where? On the earth. On the earth. I mean, gay, like this is so critical for human hearts in this hour. Because the message of the end of things is just total loss in people's minds. But the answer is actually you get it all back. That Jesus was trying to say, oh, Peter, there's nothing you've lost that I will not restore to you completely. And then he names really practical things like houses and lands. And the great example of this is the resurrection of Jesus himself. When Jesus walks out of the tomb on Easter Sunday, he is the same person. He doesn't become an angel. He doesn't disappear into the cosmic ohm. He doesn't just become one with the, you know, with the great whatever. He's, he's Jesus. He is so much Jesus that he still has the scars. Okay? Still has them. It is restoration. And then what he does after his resurrection, look at what he does after his resurrection, because it's like, wait, you hang out with people, you talk to them, you have dinner. That looks a lot like your previous life. That's exactly the point. That the resurrected life of Jesus is the restored life that he knew beforehand. Okay. So this is the great missing thing in the church. And there's not a lot of good worship songs on this. There's not, we're not ushering people in. Hebrews 6.19 says, we have a hope that is the anchor of the soul. People have no anchor. They have absolutely no anchor for the soul because their hope is so vague or bizarre or super spiritualized. This is the anchor of the soul, the restoration of all things. And by the way, dear ones, it is super close. It's really close. Like, really, really close. And, like, and we need that in this hour. So that's my, that's my request. That's my request. Please, please, like... <laughs> Bring that because we need it desperately and there's not a lot of good worship on it. Man, John, so good, man. Guys, not to, I can't say anything else, but what John just encapsulated is in a book he wrote called All Things New. But it literally, for me, has been, I read a book by Randy Alcorn, John, called Heaven. Yeah. And that was the first time I was introduced to this idea that this is home. And to see a sunset and go, God, I want that to not end. (laughs) Like the morning in my heart is the loss of letting go of this beauty. Right. And it's so that's why we worship because Jesus made a way for all things to be renewed. And yes, this is it. Yes. 
Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Guys, uh, hand claps all around for Mr. John Eldridge today. John, we can't thank you enough for coming on. Um, you've, man, you've opened our hearts in a way that I know we're going to be talking about in small group and, and just for weeks and months to come. So we love you. We're grateful to you and Stacy for the ministry that God's entrusted to you. And uh, we'll definitely be in touch. But the impact from this time I know is going to go on in the earth from may all it, these leaders. May it protect your hearts, dear ones. Yes. The world has gone mad. <laughs> John, could you pray us out? Yes, yes, let's do Thanks. <clears throat> so first off, the shield of the love of God. We invoke the fire love of God around our hearts, around our homes, around our lives right now. The fire love of heaven as a shield to us in this hour against all hatred in the earth. The fire love of God. And we invoke the river of life, the very life of God. For us, we invoke it as a shield around us, around our hearts, into our union with you, Jesus, which is so assaulted. We invoke the river of life into us and around us and our homes and our work. We invoke the river of life as a shield against death on the earth right now. Jesus, show me how to care for my heart. Show me just very particular things that I can do to care for my heart in this hour. In your name, we all pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Worship Circle Podcast. As always, we want to remind you that you are loved, that you are not alone. And when you lead, when you walk with Jesus, we stand with you as an army of worship leaders that's growing around the world to bring hope to people who need hope and healing to people who need healing. We hope you join us next time. And until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at, at Worship Circle and share this podcast and the information about it with any leader you know so that they can become part of this growing tribe of leaders on the earth.